You know, every time Jesus had an experience with somebody, it was quite remarkable. You could spend the next year just reading the experiences of God and, and how God moved and how, how Jesus talked to people and interacted with people. He never left people the same way that he found them. And quite often he would just meet them as he was traveling along and seldom would he spend more than just a, a few moments or part of a day with them. But he would leave them having their lives being impacted. And, and uh, I, I want you to just imagine with me this morning that you're sitting in Starbucks and, and you're sipping some coffee and uh, you're sitting at a table with a couple chairs and Jesus walks in. Are you with me? Jesus walks in and he scans the room and you're like, oh, I, I think that's Jesus. You don't know how you know, you just know. And, and uh, I'm pretty sure he doesn't look like the paintings we have of him, but maybe so. We just don't know. None of us were there. But you know something's different about this man. And he's scanning the room, and he looks over at you and starts walking towards you. How many of you would be like, oh, my goodness, something's going on, right? And he walks up, and he sits down beside you in the chair across the table. And he says, listen, he says, I just want to spend a little time with you. And for the next 20 minutes, maybe two hours, he just spends some time beginning a conversation and asking you questions and, and uh, just kind of interacting with you. Just imagine that would be like. You begin to respond to him, and then when he leaves, you have some real sobering decisions to make. Well, this morning, I just want you to imagine that Jesus is sitting across from the table from you, and he's got some things that he wants to say to you. Jesus is looking at you this morning and he wants, to, he wants to sit across the table and share from his life experience. He's looking for you, which reminds me of a story of a man who called a house and, and a little boy answered and said, hello. And, and uh, the guy was kind of caught off guard because the little boy was kind of whispering, said, hello, is, is your mommy there? Yes. Uh, can, I, can I talk to her, please? No, she's, she's busy. Oh, okay. Well, is your daddy there? Yes. Can I talk to your daddy? No. No, he's busy. Oh, okay. Well, is there anybody else there? Yes. Well, who else is there? Maybe I could talk to them. Uh, the police are here. <laughs> well, well, could I talk to one of the policemen, please? No. They're busy, too. <laughs> so now the guy, he's kind of worried, right? You would be, too, if you called and said, well, is there anybody there that I could talk to? Is anybody else there? And said, well... The firemen are here. <laughs> well, could I talk to a fireman, please? No. No, they're busy too. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I said, well, son, what are they so busy doing? <laughs> they're looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a cute story, but I want you to know that Jesus is looking for you as well. He's looking for you this morning, and he some has something very important that he wants to tell you. If you have your notes, they're right there in your program. If you wanted to open that up and pull them out, I've got some scriptures there for you and you can fill in uh, the blanks as we go along. The first scripture is from Hebrews chapter nine, verse 10. And I'm gonna kind of pull this as my key verse this morning. And I actually pulled my sermon title out of this verse. The Hebrew writer says, for the old system dealt only with certain rituals, with foods to eat and drink. Rules for washing themselves, rules about this and about that. The people had to keep these rules to tide them over until Christ came, watch this, with God's new and better plan. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about God's new 
and better plan. Would you just bow your heads and let's pray together. Father, thank you for your presence today. We have sensed it so greatly. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to speak to us. Thank you for coming to this earth as a man, as a human, and walking around and having conversations and giving us teaching. And this morning, Lord, I believe that there are some things you really want to say to us. So I ask, Lord, that you would help us to just lean in and not listen to Pastor Phil's words, but to listen for the voice of God. What is it, Lord, that you want to say to us today? Lord, I pray that today you would show us God's new and better way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Well, what we're going to find out today as we look at this story we're going to see that Jesus came to do something very important. He came to replace rules with relationship. You see, in our story we're going to look at in just a moment, we're going to see a guy that thought it was all about the rules. It was all, it was all about being good. It was all about uh, uh, doing the right thing. And, and Jesus came to let us know that if you really want to be rich, you've got to be right, rich in what matters most. And that is all about relationship and not about rules. And up until this time, people thought that the way to rightly relate with God is by keeping a bunch of rules. And Jesus said, oh, no. That's not it at all. The way you rightly relate to God is by having a relationship with him. And there's a great example, as I said, it's in your notes there in this New Testament story. We find it in Mark chapter 10. I'll put it up on the screen as well so you can read along. It's the experience where Jesus meets the rich young ruler. Are you ready? Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 23. As Jesus went out into the street, which, by the way, was very typical of Jesus. He would just walk around the street and, and meet people. And, and uh, just like we talked, he'd come in the coffee shop and, and say hi and, and talk to people. So here's Jesus. He's walking along the street. And a man came running up to him and greeted Jesus, watch this, with reverence. We'll talk about that in a moment. And he asked, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life. Watch what Jesus said. He said to the man, why are you calling me a good teacher? No one is good, only God. You know the commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, honor your father and your mother. So he's quoting the 10 commandments. And he said, teacher, I have done these things from my youth. I've kept these rules. And Jesus looked at him hard in the eye. Watch this. And he loved them. I want you to circle those three words. He loved them. I want you to know before we go any further this morning that Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. Jesus has a reckless love for you. I'm so glad we sang that song this morning. Oh, how he loves us. He loves us with a reckless love. Jesus said there's one thing left, though. Go and sell everything you own and give it to the poor. And all your wealth will then be heavenly wealth and come and follow me. And the man's face clouded over. He walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight. Watch this. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. And looking at his disciples, Jesus said, Do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter into the kingdom of God? Yeah, now notice he didn't say it was impossible, but he says it's difficult because we are a very blessed people. We have everything we really need. 
If you came here in a vehicle, you're a blessed person. You have more than most of the people in the world have. If you're watching online and you're watching on your phone or on a computer or on a television, you have more than most people have in the world. We are a very blessed people. And, and the thing is, a lot of times when we're blessed, we forget the blesser. I'll never forget uh, uh, when I was growing up or, or when my kids were growing up, we would give them a gift and, and uh, they would love that gift and they would spend so much time with that gift that sometimes that gift started to replace their time with us. And we'd say, hey, could you put that aside a minute and could, you, could we just spend some time together? Could we, could we play a game or do something like that? And, oh, dad, come on, just let me finish this one round. Let me finish this one thing. And then, and then we're done, right? And I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. They have forgotten the giver and they're more interested in the gift. So what I want to do in the next few moments is I want to look at three belief mistakes that this rich, rich young ruler made. What we're going to discover as we walk through these verses is that this rich young ruler was holding on to three beliefs about God that were very wrong. I mean, they were dead wrong. And I don't want any of us here this morning to make these mistakes. So I want to give them to you. I want to identify them to you. And I want us to know what we can do about it. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, this is your first fill-in. Belief mistake number one. What I have is enough to have a right relationship with God. What I already have is enough for me to have a right relationship with God. And if you read through this story, you'll have to admit he did have a lot going on for him. In fact, this story is told in three different books of the Bible. And if you look at all three different references to this story in the three different books, you'll find right off the bat he had three things going on for him. And we're going to talk about more of that, more than that this morning. But he had three things right off the bat going for him. He was rich and he was young and he was a ruler. How many of you say that sounds pretty good to me, huh? Those are three things that we know right off the start. First of all, it says that he was rich. He had material possessions. Often people will read this story in the Bible and come to conclude that money is bad. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was not saying money was bad. Now, there are some problems with money. Usually it has to do with our attitude. In fact, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. So if I'm putting money first, if I'm putting money before God, then it's a problem. But there's nothing wrong with money. We need money to eat, right? How many of you know if you didn't have money, you couldn't have come this morning, you couldn't have bought gas, huh? So I think you all agree that there's, there's good to do with money, but there's also evil with money. Kind of reminds me of the story of the, early, the elderly woman that went to the mall. And uh, evidently she didn't have the luck that I have because when I pull up to the mall or to the grocery store or to Walmart, I don't know, just ask my family. It's just weird. There's always a parking space right up front. I don't get it. Uh, and I'm not talking about handicap, but they just look at me and say, Dad, that's just weird. <laughs> But this elderly woman wasn't having that kind of luck. And so she did what probably a lot of us have done. And she watched for someone coming out of the mall so that she knew that they were going to leave. So she saw a guy coming out of the mall. He's got a whole arm full of, of presents and gifts and, and, and boxes and bags. And, and he's walking to his car. So she comes around behind him and slowly follows him <laughs> until he gets to his parking space. You ever done that? Huh? Come on, just, be, just admit it. You've done that before. What is it? We, and the funny thing is, we've just been to the gym working out, and, but we don't want to walk an extra parking space. But anyway, so she's just waiting patiently, and finally he gets to his car, and she puts her blinker on. She's going to pull in there when it's all done. 
So he gets in his car and gets all his packages, you know, to, takes all this time, gets his packages in the car, and he gets in, and, and uh, he, he turns on the car and puts it in reverse, and hopefully he's not like those, some of those people we wait on. They put their car in reverse, and then five minutes later they pull out, right? <laughs> so she's sitting there very patiently with her blinker on, and he pulls out, and about the time that guy gets out of the parking space, this young guy with a red Corvette goes, whoom, right in front of her. How many of you know that would test your sanctification this morning, huh? Well, it did hers as well. She rolled down the window. She said, hey, you can't do that. And this young guy looked at her and said, lady, you can do anything when you're young. You can do anything when you're young and fast. So she said, okay. So she puts her car in reverse like a nice lady, gets back about 15 feet puts her car in drive, and just crams on the gas pedal and bashes in the back of that red Corvette. <laughs> How many of you know this just went south real quick? And he said, lady, what are you doing? You can't do that. She said, that's what you can do when you're old and rich. <laughs> uh, so, you know, money can do some good things, right? Somebody said that money is like fire. It has tremendous potential for good, but it also has tremendous potential for bad. So he was rich. We also see that he was young. I'm not sure how young he was. I'm not sure why they told us that he was young. Maybe just to indicate that he had a lot of potential. So we know that he had financial resources. We know that he had a bright future in front of him. Thirdly, it tells us that he was a leader. He was a ruler in that community. I don't know if it was a religious leader. I don't know if he was a political leader. But we know that this guy had financial resources. He had a bright future ahead of him. And he was a man with a lot of influence. But we know a little bit more about him that we might kind of bring from this story. We also learn in this story that he was humble. This was a guy that was very humble. The Gospel of Mark says that when he came to Jesus, he fell on his knees right in front of Jesus. Now, in Jesus' day, usually when someone came up to him, uh, uh, someone that was a leader, someone of influence, they were coming up to him to trick him. They were coming up to him to argue with him. They were coming up to, to, to trap him into saying something that they could, they could have a gotcha moment, you know. But not this guy. In fact, one religious leader came in the night so that no one would see him coming. But this guy, in bright daylight, in front of God and everybody, with no shame, bows down in front of Jesus. He says, Jesus, I have some questions for you. So we know he was humble. We also know that he was spiritually sensitive. He was spiritually sensitive. A lot of people who are rich and young, they don't think about their future. But this guy wanted to know about life after death. He wanted to know, what is eternal life? What's going to happen after this? He was asking some really good questions. He was, he was very sensitive to his spiritual state. We also know that he was a moral man. Jesus names off four or five of the Ten Commandments. He said, man, I've done those since I was a kid. I've kept those. I, I, have, a moral, I have a moral compass. I'm doing all these things. So the belief mistake number one is what I have is enough to have a right relationship with God. But it's not. Jesus said, that's not enough. Jesus said, what you have will never get you eternal life. 
What you have will never yield a personal relationship with God. So belief mistake number one, I have what I have is enough. Belief mistake number two, if you're taking notes, if what I have isn't enough, I can do more to earn my way into heaven. If what I have isn't enough, then I can just do more. I can work my way in. And it's very clear from reading this story that this young leader at least suspected that morality and money and religion had its limitations, that he he might still need a little more. And thus his question was this, do you see it? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's he say? What must I do? How many times have we asked ourselves that? How many times have we asked God that? What do I need to, all right, what's your bottom line, huh? It's kind of like bartering for a car in southern Ohio. That's where my roots are. I didn't live there uh, ever. This is about as far south as I've... Well, I actually lived in Cincinnati, but I don't think that counts. Does it? Cincinnati doesn't count as southern Ohio. I'm talking about anywhere between Cincinnati and West Virginia, southern Ohio. Are you with me? Northern Kentucky, basically. And when you're bartering for a car, my dad used to, uh, actually my uncle owned a a junkyard and he would fix cars up and sell them. And my dad said one of his greatest uh, entertainment times was to to sit there uh, in the office and someone would come and and they'd want to buy a car. And and, uh, they'd they'd come in and say, what do you take for that car? And and, uh, my uncle would say, I don't know, what do you give me? He said, I I don't know, what do you take? He said, I don't know, what do you give me? And they go back and forth like that for a little bit. And then, and then they start talking about something else, talking about the Reds or the Buckeyes or the Browns or the Bengals. I got to say all of them, so I hit you, right? Amen. Don't want anybody getting mad on me this morning. And a little bit later, about an hour later, well, what do you take for that car? I, I don't know. What do you give me? What, what do you take? I, I don't know. What do you give me? And finally, somebody breaks and comes up with a number, right? All right. I'll give you $5,000. No, no, there's no way I can sell that thing for $5,000. All right, well, well, what do you take? I don't know, what do you give me? And <laughs> it just all starts over again, right? And the fact is that uh, we think that we can do that with God. All right, what, what can I do? How can I earn your love? What, you know, go to church every Sunday. Lord, if I go to church every Sunday, can I make it into heaven? God, if I pray at least once a week, can I get into heaven? In fact, kind of what we're asking is, what is the least I can do to make it into the kingdom? But we've got it all wrong. So I've got good news and bad news. The good news is, that you can't do anything to get into heaven. And the bad news is, you can't do anything to get into heaven. (laughs) You've gotta depend on God. It's a free gift. So in your notes, I put a little picture. If you see that little picture, it's actually half drawn, and I'm gonna help you fill it out. We're gonna do it together. But uh, after belief mistake number two, you'll see, you'll see a bridge there. And we're gonna get to that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to uh, go to a video and let them explain what this bridge is all about, and then we're gonna fill it out together, all right? Watch the screen. Have you ever wondered what the big deal is with Jesus? Why everybody talks about him all the time? Why folks think you should know him? Here's why Jesus should matter to all of us. God created us to have a relationship with him, but this thing called sin separates us from God. The Bible says it this way, all of us have sinned, and all of us fall short of the glory that God intended for us. Imagine you're on a cliff. 
And over on the other side of this canyon is God. Now, too many people think the way that we can bridge that canyon is with our own efforts, going to church, reading the Bible, being philanthropic, loving your neighbor, being moral. And while all these things are good, none of them are good enough to bridge the gap that separates us from God. You see, this isn't just a little chasm. Don't think the Grand Canyon. Think wider than that. It's wider than anybody can imagine. So I don't care what kind of athlete you are. You can take whatever kind of running start you want, and you're always going to fall short. The wages of sin is death. So how do you bridge the gap? The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And the Bible tells us we receive that gift by faith. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's with your heart that a person believes and it results in righteousness. And it's with the mouth you confess, resulting in salvation. This is why Jesus is such a big deal. His death made provision for your sins. His death covered your sins. His death bridge the gap. There is no other way to God except through Him. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. So what do you do? You pray this, Father, forgive me for I'm a sinner. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for His cross. Father, I trust in Him. And I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe you raised Him from the dead, declaring with power that He's the Son of God. Jesus bridges the gap of my sin, and it's the gift of His life for me that sets me free. Now that's good news, amen? Come on, that's good news. In fact, if you ever hear anybody talk about the gospel, the gospel literally means the good news. I wanna tell you something, I've got good news for you. Every person under the sound of my voice, whether you're here in this room or you're watching online, right now you have an opportunity to accept the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. You don't have to do anything, you just have to accept the gift. It's like Christmas morning, it's a gift. You don't have to do anything, it just shows up. Like this pumpkin over here with Buckeye Donuts, it makes me wanna go to Buckeye Donuts. I did nothing to earn that, but there it is, I'm gonna take it home and I'm gonna enjoy it, amen? It's a gift, nothing is, in fact, I don't even know who gave it, so I couldn't give anything back if I wanted to. So let's do this. Let's finish out that diagram that's in your notes. So I'm going to put it up on the screen. This is what you have on your notes. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So as you saw there in the video illustration, we're on one side and God is on the other and there's no way that we can get to him. There's no way that we can make it. If we try to leap, we're gonna fall right down into death. But the good news is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to draw a cross between the chasm. Would you do that? And I want you to write the name Jesus Christ. The good news is this morning that Jesus gave us a free gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, if anybody dies in their sin, they have earned that. If anyone goes to hell, someone says, God, I can't imagine a loving God would ever send anyone to hell. And I'm gonna say, I agree wholeheartedly with you. That a loving God would never send anyone to hell. Well, then why do people go? Because they have chosen to send themselves. You say, really? Well, well how does that even make sense? Well, because I I choose to live in my sin and not confess it as the Bible said and not give it to Jesus and ask him to forgive me. I choose that. And you know how much Jesus wanted you to definitely choose God? He wanted you to do that so desperately that he was willing to hang on a cross and have his nails and feet pierced and nailed to that cross. He was willing to have a crown of thorns on his head. He was willing
willing to be last with a whip. He was willing to die and to suffer with your name on his mind. That's how desperately he wants you to make it to heaven. He loves you this morning with a reckless love. Come on, say a good amen today. He loves you. In fact, in Romans 3, 21 and 22, it says, but now God has shown us a different way. What we're talking about this morning, God's new and different way, a different way of being right in his sight, not by obeying the law, but by the way promised in the scriptures long ago. We are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved the same way. Everybody say all. all. Say saved. All can be saved. For God so loved the world that whosoever, that's you, he has your name on that, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. What's it say? And all can be saved the same way, no matter who we are or what we have done. You see, the enemy puts in our head, oh, there's no way Jesus would ever forgive you for that. He, you know, that you, you went way too far. You did way too much. You've, you've gone way over the edge. I want to tell you something. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say. There's no one, nowhere you can go that will separate you from the love of God and cause him to, to not want to save you. He loves you just the way you are. You don't have to clean up. You just have to show up. Amen. Come on, come on, somebody say amen on that. You say, well, what do I do about that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. There was a prayer that you heard in that video. And I'm going to put it up on the screen, and I'm going to invite every one of you to pray that prayer with me. You say, every one of you, yes. You say, well, I'm already a Christian. That's okay, because here's what I want to do. There might be some here this morning that have never prayed a prayer of salvation, that have never asked Jesus into their life, that have never confessed their sin, that have never made a, a, a move towards God. And I don't want them, I don't want to call them out, I don't want to embarrass them. So you know what, if you've already prayed this prayer, pray it as a reminder of what you prayed, maybe a week ago, a year ago, 30 years ago. If you've never prayed this prayer, you say it out loud with us. And I believe that if you believe it in your heart, and confess it with your mouth, the Bible says, you shall be saved. And you know what, I've been making it a habit over the last several months that when it's time to accept Christ, I'm not waiting till the end of my sermon. We're just gonna do it when we're talking about it. So I just want you in your heart to just build an altar where you are. I just want you to imagine you're sitting at that seat in the coffee shop and Jesus is sitting across the table from you and you're gonna pray this prayer. So everybody, would you just look at the screen and would you pray this out loud with me? Are you ready? Father, forgive me for I am a sinner. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for his cross. Father, I trust in him. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe you raised him from the dead, declaring with power that he is the son of God. I believe that Jesus bridges the gap for my sin and it is the gift of his life for me that sets me free. Everybody say amen. 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 Come on, let's give God a praise for everyone that prayed that prayer. Amen. You say, now what? Well, the first thing I would like for you to do, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or if you recommitted your life to Christ, I want you to take out of, the, the, uh, of, your, of your bulletin there, there's a communication card and there's a place to indicate, I prayed that prayer. And after a while, we're gonna give you an opportunity to hand that in. Would you just 
put your name on there and put, I prayed that prayer. Would you do that for me today? And then I want to encourage you to see uh, Pastor David Dean. Would you stand up, Pastor David Dean? He's going to be in the back of the, of the church after church. And if you prayed that prayer, I want you to meet him. He's got some awesome resources that he wants to resource with you and give you some gifts and, and, and encourage you. And I want you to meet him. Everybody say, hi, Dave. Hi. All right, you can sit down. Thank you. And then I want you to commit to being in the house of the Lord and being with the people of God. And if you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, you can indicate it there in, in the notes or in the comments and let us know, or you can email us. And, and we, just wanna, we just wanna praise God with you and trust God with you for what he's doing in your life. Amen, church? Come on, can I get a good amen? amen. I love this verse. If you've prayed that prayer, this is, an, this is an assurance for you. It says, God saved you by his special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. Did you know that? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Amen. Amen. God is so great and God is so good. Let me give you the belief mistake number three. The third one is he believed I can trust Jesus with part of my life and still be completely right with God. You see, the rich young ruler didn't want to give his whole life to Jesus, just a part. That was the problem. And Jesus knew that there was something in his life that was going to stand in his way for giving everything to God. He thought that would be enough, but he was wrong. Second Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts, watch this, are fully committed to him. My encouragement to you today, whether you just prayed that prayer or whether you prayed that prayer 30 years ago, is to kind of do some soul searching right now. And I want you to ask yourself, Am I saying to God, am I willing to pray, God, anything, anytime, anywhere, anyone, whatever the cost, Lord, I give it to you. You know, the Bible talks about having life and having it to the full. And that's what it's talking about. Yes, Jesus gives us life through salvation. But as we surrender to him everything, he gives us life to the full. It all comes down to the battle of the wills. What I want versus what God wants. There was a five-year-old little girl who was in a Dollar General with her mama and saw this little package, this little package of toys. I said, Mama, can I have that? No, that's just junk. You don't want that. Yes, I do, Mom. I want that so bad. Can I please? No, I'm not, I'm not going to waste my money on that. It'll just disappear. It'll just get lost. How many of your parents have had this conversation already before? Some of you this week. Amen? It's just going to, you know, I'm not buying you more stuff. You don't need more stuff. Mom, I want it so bad. I'm willing to spend my own money on it, Mom. Would you, would you just let me do that? Well, I guess if you want it that bad. So she opened up her little purse, and she had $2, and the package cost $2. Isn't that cool? But there's something her mama didn't tell her that I always told my kids. There's no such thing as a dollar store. It's the dollar six store. 
Amen? I said, you don't have enough if you got a dollar. you got to have a dollar six. And she says, Mama, it's $2, and I have $2. I can buy that. She said, you don't understand. There's tax. But that's okay, honey. I'll pay the tax for you. How many parents have ever done that before, huh? So they get up to the cash register, and she's just, her eyes are just a-glowing, and she buys that little thing kind of like this right here. It had a little purse on it. Some of you wish you had this, don't you? I didn't do a test on this. I hope it's not one of those adult-proof opening packages, so we're just going to all do it together. Amen? Everybody say a quick prayer. Lord, help Pastor Phil be able to open this package and let this illustration do what it needs to do. Amen? Thank you. Oh, looky there. That was way too easy. I didn't need a crowbar. I didn't need a blowtorch. I didn't need pliers. She got home, and it was a nice little purse, a couple bracelets, but what caught her eye was a string of pearls. Just a cheap string of pearls. But boy, that just made her day. So she put it around her neck. I can't put it around my neck. (laughs) And she wore that thing for me. Yeah, it's a bracelet. She wore that string of pearls everywhere. I mean, she wore them to kindergarten. She wore them outside to play. She wore them to bed. She never took them off. She wore them in the bath. She wasn't going to take that thing off ever. She didn't ever want to lose her pearls. It just meant everything to her. That little $2 thing meant so much to her. So one night, her daddy was tucking her in. and said, sweetie, do you, do you love me? Yeah, I love you, daddy. He said, would you, would you give me those pearls? Well, daddy, how about that purse over there that's laying there? You could have that. No, I don't want the purse. Uh, uh, Daddy, I I don't want to give you my pearls. Okay, sweetie. So the next night, he's tucking her in. He says, sweetie, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Will you give me those pearls? How about those bracelets, Dad? You know the bracelets over there? I haven't worn those for a while. You could could have those, or maybe that horsey. Maybe you could have a horsey. I I don't want to give you my pearls, Daddy. This happened night after night after night. After about a week... He kind of quit asking. She's not going to take those pearls off, ever. So a couple nights later, after he'd quit asking, he tucked her in. He was leaving the room, and she said, Daddy, yeah, I love you. I love you too. Here's the pearls. You can have them. He reached out. He took those pearls. They were dirty and scratched up. Germs all over them, I'm sure. said, sweetie, I've been waiting for you to do that for a while now. Because I had something else I wanted to give you, if you would give me that. He reached in his pocket, and he pulled out an authentic string of pearls placed it in her hand. I love you. I love you. And how many of us have a death grip on our dime store toys? We think we'd be lost without them. Jesus says, I have so much 
more for you. I have the pearl of great life. I have the pearls of eternity. I want you to look at that scripture there in your notes. Mark 10, 29. Jesus said, Mark my words. No one who sacrifices house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, land, whatever, because of me and the message, you will not lose out. I promise you. So I ask you this morning, what are you holding on to? Your past, your future, your finances, maybe a failure. Maybe you're holding on to fear or frustration or anger. Maybe you're holding on to a treasure that hasn't satisfied yet, but you hope that someday it will. I'm going to ask that our prayer, our personal prayer is, God, today, I give you this. I am going to ask the praise team to come. Whatever it is that you're going to give him, perhaps you didn't bring it with you. That's okay. We're going to do this figuratively as an act of worship. And as the praise team sings Reckless Love, I'm going to, I'm going to do something that I feel like is very important for us to take this step moving into this series. Being rich in what matters most. And I'm going to ask everyone to stand and I'm going to say a prayer and they're going to begin to sing. And if you filled that line in with anything, I mean anything, or maybe, maybe you were afraid to put anything there because you don't want the person beside you to see what that is, that's okay. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and just kind of walk up here, stand or kneel by the altar as a sign. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Maybe no one will come. That's okay. I want to give you the opportunity to give up those $2 pearls. Say, Lord, those things I've been hanging on to that have been holding me back, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to figuratively or literally lay it at this altar and I'm going to just stand in your presence and I'm going to receive your reckless love. God, all across this room, I believe that your Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Even if someone prayed that prayer for the very first time this morning, maybe there's something that they're feeling prompted to give up to you. Lord, it might be something they're holding on from the past or something, something that's worrying them about the future. Lord, maybe it's finances. Maybe it's family. It, it may be something that it would be impossible to literally lay at this altar. But in coming forward and just standing or kneeling here, we are making a, an outward sign that I am giving this up for you, Lord. I'm giving this to you. I'm placing it at the cross. I'm leaving it there. And God, I'm praying that you will help me to be rich in what matters most. And I want to tell you something, folks. He has a string of pearls. He's got a whole slew of strings of pearls that he wants to give to you. He doesn't want you to just have life. 
He wants you to have life to the full. And as they begin to sing, some have already come. As they begin to sing, I'm going to ask you to just come and just figuratively, by walking up here, you're saying, I give this to God. Would you do that? Sing for us, guys. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me Before I took a breath You breathed your life in me You have been so, so kind to me And oh stay there until you feel like you've left it there but I know there are others that are thinking the enemy's saying if you'll just hold fast and this will be over in a minute I'm gonna tell you the most freeing moment is when you place it at the feet of Jesus the very most freeing moment is when you give it to God and I don't know what you're holding on to maybe your kids maybe their future maybe it's uh, social media I don't know what it is, but uh, something that happened in your past, someone that hurt you, something that's been harboring, something that you've been hanging on to. Maybe it's something monetarily. I don't know. But I just feel like there's more that are hanging on to something. And you're just, you're, you're feeling like maybe I, I, I just, I need to. And there's something about making a step and saying, yes, God, I give it to you. I'm not going to ask you what it is. It's none of my business. God already knows what it is. He's just saying, will you give that up? I have something better for you. We're going to sing one more time. We're not going to spend a lot of time. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. And then we're going to close so we can do that, Lord. Just sing one more time. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. Come on, he's coming after you. Just step out. Just step out. I give it to you, Lord. I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. I'm going to place it at your feet. I'm going to put it at the foot of the cross. I don't want it anymore, Lord. I want what's best for me. I want what you have for me, Lord. I give it to you, Lord, right now. I place it at your feet, Lord. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't sit down. Come Sing, oh, the overwhelming. And oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. 
praying. I want to pray for everyone right now. Maybe you felt like you should go forward and you didn't. Don't hang on to that. Don't, don't hang on to what it is that God is asking you to let go. You don't have to come forward to do it. You can do it in your car on the way home. You can find a quiet place when you get home and do it there. But don't let go of this sense that the Spirit has given that you need to let go and let God do something so I just want us all to bow our heads right now. I want to pray a prayer for all of those that have come forward and all of those that are thinking about coming forward. Lord, we just lift them up to you right now. I pray, Lord, that you would give them freedom in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that they would have the courage to leave whatever it is that they put in that blank. Whatever it is, Lord, I don't know. It's none of my business. You already know, Lord, and you hear them, and you're answering their prayer right now. Lord, and you're pouring out the pearls, and you're placing them in their hands, and you're giving them what is best for them, Lord. And I pray, dear God, that in this time, they would sense a supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit, Lord, right there in, in their in up, uh, up their side, Lord. And they would know that you were there for them. They would know that you love them. They would know that you chase after them, Lord. And I pray for freedom in the name of Jesus. And I pray this in his name, the Son of God, the one who gave his life, died and rose again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 Praise God.